Coming up later in this 4 o'clock hour, it is a Wednesday edition of The Snack, where you will be offered the opportunity to eat right from the palm of the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin. And I haven't Stay washed my hands lately. They're, they're, they're a little bit sticky. Yeah, I know. You're welcome. Yeah, Bluebell dropped off ice cream up here earlier, so I haven't <laughs> washed my hands since Bluebell Wait, what? Did. Yeah, there's ice cream up there. A little what? cinnamon, uh, like, cinnamon twist, I think, with uh, cookie dough in it. So, yeah. How was it? It was delicious. Bluebell is <laughs> Bluebell's so good. Uh, yeah, every now and then the uh, the new flavor sample guy drops by goodies here, and they just hand them out to everyone. Perks of the job, right? Perks of the job. Yeah, the email goes out. Hey, up in the uh, kitchen. I missed that. I didn't see we had come ice get cream the old here. and they, well they they typically whatever's left they never take it with them. Scott, did you know that they will leave the yeah they leave it here the cartons yeah. here yeah. in the in the freezer so. There's probably a full one or two left in there. Good for you guys. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so we have uh, Colin Kennedy coming up at 5, following the, uh, the snack offering from one Jeremy Poplin. So you, you mentioned analytics. Yes. I, I love this conversation. I think it's fascinating. And it's, it's one of those evolving conversations in sports, you know, in general, because we pay so much more attention to every single facet of the game. And, like, why would you not at least monitor? Yeah, I think we might have uh, crossed the line there where we lost him for a second. Basically, what we're talking about is the analytic conversation that has happened in the NFL since this past weekend during the divisional round games, where we had an instance in in the major one. And by the way, there's instances every single week in the National Football League and also in college football where analytics has started to creep more and more into the conversation and has now for the last several years. But it feels like that it's at that at that tipping point where it's become more ingrained in people and a lot of it because you will hear with some of the arguments that have been made on even the broadcast side of things like with Greg Olson Greg Olson was trying to defend something that Michael Wilbon had called out the broadcasters for on PTI about how broadcasters just talk about analytics and like they don't even question anything, uh, the judgment of any of the head coaches. And Greg Olson's point is, hey, as a broadcaster, my responsibility and our responsibility is is to provide you with information that's happening in the current state of football. And to Greg's point, and Greg is 100% correct on this, he's like, we talk about it from a perspective of the amount of conversations that are happening on each and every single sidelines, not, not only in the NFL, but the conversations that are happening on sidelines in college football as well. And if you think for a moment that none of those are happening, that it's all just intuition and gut from a head coach now in the National Football League, you are 100% wrong. Everybody has a version of this that they do. Now, not every coach follows the same path. Not everyone is 100% follow it by the book according to what the math says, and not all of them are 100% just go straight off of your gut. It's typically a blend, but it's just the conversation that are happening. And also, too, what doesn't help in some people's opinions are when the networks have 
sometimes the stats that that pop up on on the broadcast about hey in an instance like this analytics says you go for it this amount of time but it's never 100% confirmed one way or the other and i think that's where a lot of the argument and the and the yelling back and forth comes from is that you know the analytics people are convinced that you are a freaking moron that if you don't follow the math every time and then old school people are convinced that you are a freaking moron if you don't go off of what your gut feeling is or intuition on this and there's a happy medium somewhere the problem is that in 2024, and it's been this way for the last couple of years, and I don't know when the end is. I, I don't. Um, probably when we, I think, get a little bit further away even from this time piece, time period in football. But the problem is, is that we live in a time where the two ideas have intersected in the timeline. And, of course, you're going to have these arguments. for So for anyone on either side to be completely just up in arms and angry about what one side thinks compared to the other, hey, buddy, you better calm down for a little bit because we're going to be in this time frame now for a while because we, we, the general we, are part of the fortunate group that gets to live when the analytics side compared with old school mind meets for the very first time in open conversation. And it's not going anywhere. Uh, and there's never a 100% certain way that you should do this and a 100% way that you shouldn't. Uh, that's where it's all fascinating to me is just to see how everyone gets up in arms and angry with each other over this. And all it means is is that we need a, we need a little bit more understanding. Analytics people need to understand that, hey, you know what? Maybe boomers might have a good idea every now and then. And, and the uh, other side may, maybe need to understand that, you know what? We live our life by math. <laughs> As much as I hate math, if we didn't have math, guess what? We wouldn't have bridges. We wouldn't have hardly anything that we do. Like, math is good. Math is good. As much as I hate it, math is good. And both sides need to have an understanding of that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, think, I, I think we get way too carried away with analytics. That said, to ignore it would be foolish, right? To just yes. take advantage of something that could potentially assist you in some area of the game would be foolish, but it's your job to understand what that data means in terms of applying it to your football team or baseball team or whatever we're talking about, right? And how you can make those numbers work for you. And this is where I think the breakdown comes into play. Everybody just looks at these numbers, right? And assumes that you apply that to every team in, in the league, right? That's, that's moronic. Right? Are of we going to say that having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and what you would do in a certain situation is the same thing as having Desmond Ritter as your quarterback in the exact same situation? That would be moronic, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't... If we treated Desmond Ritter like Patrick Mahomes, you would be a complete idiot. So I think with analytics, you have to understand what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what the strengths of your opponent is. Right. And, and apply the analytics that way. And if it works when you apply it that way, then take advantage of it. But if you're just ignoring the context of any situation to just go off of numbers, that is that's also moronic. Yeah, because any generic statistics class, you learn something very quickly off the top, which is you can skew numbers and statistics in any form or fashion to tell you a variety of different outcomes. And I, I do think there is some of that. And I think the term that probably needs to get brought up more in these conversations on both sides are variables. What you're talking about is a variable. 
because that's right. The instance of that you used, which is Patrick Mahomes compared to Desmond Ritter, <laughs> poor Desmond Ritter in this conversation. The other one that you would use on def- on on defense is so. You mean to tell me that you're you're going to apply the same scenario to this as if it's the Carolina Panthers defense compared to the 2000 Ravens defense or 2001 exactly. Ravens defense? Like it's it's not. What about the variable? What about a play in which in which Fred Warner is out? Fred Warner is over in the in the blue tent right now getting checked out. You know what what the variable does that play? And there are how many of those are there in a game? How many of those are there a in, a, in a singular moment? There are hundreds yeah, and thousands of those that, that happen all the time. So, yes, you're correct, and that needs to, to get added. But that doesn't mean that you just – like the Michael Wilbon stuff doesn't mean you just completely throw it out the window at all because that, yeah, that, that would, be would also be absolutely foolish to do. And I – We've seen a lot of this with baseball, and it depends on the organizational standpoint of whether or not, like, how much how much pull the manager actually has. Are are we letting the manager actually manage, or are we just going based off of the numbers? And I know that drives some people crazy because we're taking out the human element of of things like this. Um, I I completely understand how that's going to be frustrating, but to also bring back bring it back around to Greg Olson's point they're still happening whether you like it or not this is the version of football that we currently exist in you can't just absolutely deny either side and what their feeling is and you know my philosophy the same thing I take with Mike Gundy hey operate your program the way that you want to it's your program it's you're the head coach operate it the way that you want to uh, but it's never as cut and dry as what as what we think it is. And it's the same reason, and I heard Greg Olson say this, I brought up Greg Olson now so many times, third leg Greg, is that to me, we get so caught up in what the outcome is. And I'm here to tell you that even if the outcome is negative sometimes, doesn't always mean that it was the wrong move. Like the other team is allowed to have their own outcome and their own scenarios and to play through all the different dynamics and variables that go into that. Just because you go for two and you don't get it doesn't actually mean sometimes that it was the wrong decision to make or to go for it as a certain instance. We get so caught up with the outcome sometimes that we just completely skip over that element of it. Yeah, I, 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 I had a boss once. I worked at this place. I had a boss. And every morning we had a, a like meeting with the boss and all the staff, right? And this meeting lasted an eternity. Ooh, is that in radio? Day. No, it wasn't radio. Okay, thank God. It lasted like at least an hour every day, right? It was a brutal way to start the day. You just sit there and so much of the information doesn't apply to you, right? Like you're going over all this and you're like, why am I here? This doesn't apply to me. So one day I go to the boss and I say, these meetings are brutal right (laughs) you just said that (laughs) yeah and i said most of what we're talking about doesn't even apply to my position and he said i know that he said i can't i can't have individual meetings with every person in their different job throughout the day that would take me three times as long right to call every person in in the morning go over certain things like that would take forever it's easier to put everybody in a room we go over everything and here's the key phrase you take out of that meeting what applies to you and forget about the rest. 
right? There's information in that meeting that applies to you. That's what you hold on to and forget about the rest. If it doesn't apply to you, then don't worry about it, right? Yeah. That's what he told me. It, it, I still had to sit through the meetings, and they were boring. But that, was, <laughs> that was how he answered. Okay. And, like, I look at analytics kind of the same way, right? You have all this information. Not all of it applies to you, to you and your team and the way your team is built and your situation. So you don't want to ignore it completely because there's valuable data there that could potentially give you an edge. But you don't follow it across the board because there are going to be certain elements of data that don't apply to the way that your team is built or your strengths or your weaknesses or who you're playing or who's in the game and who's not in the, right? Like you have to understand what applies to you and what doesn't. So the Buccaneers go, offense stinks. Let's, let's go to the specific <laughs> instance that we're talking about here. I got some of these numbers. There have been so many stories that are written on this. I mean, from the New York times a week ago had a post on this and some of the numbers Washington Post has done stuff. This is um, probably looking at it through pewter shaded glasses because it's from pewterreport.com. Okay, so uh, I'll just read you what they wrote. Said uh, pulled all the two-point conversions attempted in 2023 and all 132 of them. Uh, of those, 73 of those were converted. So 55% success rate. Converting that two-point play would have brought the Bucks to within six points if their defense could stop the Lions' offense, which they did. Tampa's offense scores another touchdown, which they didn't, and an extra point would have won the game. And this is just their philosophy. Even if the two-point try had failed, which it did, the Bucks were still within a touchdown because they would have needed to convert on one other two-point try to still match the outcome of kicking two extra points. The key here is playing to avoid overtime. The reason why Tampa should have and evidently did want to avoid overtime is because it was likely a losing strategy. Underdogs historically have a 44% win rate in overtime. The Bucks were taking an 11% margin by opting for the two-point conversion other than trying to get to the fifth quarter. Uh, and they, they basically say, hey, the odds of failing on two of these in a row are incredibly low now. And that's, that's where we're at now on the two-point conversion, which is basically – Teams are converting at a 55% rate. So they were, they, I mean, yeah, they go. They, and a lot of that is good teams, right? Good like, teams, though. Yes. Good teams. Bad teams probably aren't converting on, on that same percentage, which is why I think it, it can be misleading. I said in this scenario, uh, where chances of failure in isolation are 45% chance of failing twice is just a hair over 20%. So that means the odds that you convert on at least one of the two point tries is just under 80%. If you take the total from the nfl but they're still leaving out how how many total variables did we have before that leading up to that moment in that game just alone thousands thousands so yeah i i mean and and i i tend to me watching football and being a part of it i have the aggressive mentality more than than others do i agree am i Am I 100% by the book analytics? No, I'm not. Where am I at in a percentage? I would probably say I'm in the 75 to 80% range when it, when it comes to analytics. Um, and whether you like it or not, like football is a game of aggression. So I, the, the one thing that people have a very hard time with is gut feeling and leaving it up to air quote nerds 
And then the nerds have a problem with, like, well, wait a minute. Like, you're Billy Badass from a different era, and now you're wanting to be timid in nature when football is an aggressive physical sport in the first place. So, like, everyone gets so caught up in what their own uh, emotional feelings are in an instance like this that it causes everyone to fight, which you what shouldn't be surprised the, what by the that. What was the Bucks two-point percentage this season, though? Like, I don't care about everybody else. How, how good were the Bucks in two-point situations? Uh, I don't know that specifically see, that, off the top of point, my head. That's my point, though, is yeah. where, like, you can, you can look at that and understand where I guess that's going to be an average, right? And maybe if you consider yourself to be an average, you start applying that logic and maybe look into it further. Mm-hmm. The Bucks' offense wasn't, I think, in, in the upper half of the NFL this year. So you're probably you probably have to look at that those numbers with a little bit more skepticism, right? Well, yeah, you do. And then also, I mean, if we're just being honest here, uh, that's as creative as you're going to get in that scenario with the two-point play, you're going to throw a fade to Mike Evans. Exactly, cuz they're not good and they don't have a bunch of options. That again, that's why not understanding your situation and what applies to you in this situation is is what made me say what the f is this guy doing it's not the numbers themselves it's okay. it's understanding how it can be applied to tampa who is not dynamic offensively and i would also add this like these numbers accrue over a a long period of time right yes for them to play a role in your success means that you have to use them regularly over a long period of time you don't play as many foot like like in baseball over 162 games. I think this this works a lot better, right? Where the, the percentages ultimately are going to land on your side. In football, you you just don't have nearly as many opportunities for that to to swing one way or the other the same way, right? Yes. So I have uh, I have Tampa's percentage if you would like it. Sure. Tampa is 22nd in the league this year in two-point conversions at a 40% clip. Okay, there we go. So just because the league average on those is 73, Tampa is way below the league average, right? And it it gets kind of blown out of proportion a little bit because I'm just looking at this right now, and maybe the, the percentage gets blown out a little bit more because you've got Carolina, L.A., Cincinnati, Baltimore, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Tennessee, all with a 100% rate. But, I mean, how many have they had this year? How many two-point conversions have they actually gone for? Exactly. Maybe it's one or two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, foot. I I just think football, this is data, and you just don't have 162 games for the percentages to play, I think, the same factor that they would – in a major league baseball season or in an NBA season of 82 games. Right. And then I'm also the same way with the postseason of those sports. I think you also have to, to a major degree, understand that you're talking about percentages over a long period of time in the regular season. Whereas in a, a single postseason series, it's hard to apply that same logic because you're not going to have 162 opportunities to play the 70% game. I, I looked at his decision. I When it happened, I didn't have the guttural reaction that you did. I was like, okay. 
Um, but if he had decided to kick the extra point, I would have been okay with that too. And then take the moment to maybe go for two at the end of the game or whatever that his decision was. Uh, maybe that's because it's just been ingrained in me more. That's where I said, but I didn't have the reaction that you did, but I, I, I'm not sitting here like pounding the table one way or the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I just don't think they're, they're good enough offensively to, to get it done on one yeah. play like that. And the biggest and... variable is play calling with what you have coming up next. Right. That's the biggest right. variable at all. We just told you it was a it was a fade to Mike Evans. Like and, I, and here's, here's you know the other side. Pissed I would have been if like not if San Francisco in a scenario <laughs> lined up to go for two and it's a gun run with Jawan Jennings the way they had you know to try to pick up a Woof. like yeah. a couple of yards. I'm like what? That's your play that you have? What 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 are we doing? And then the other side of that is the psychology, right? If you don't get it, how does that impact you going forward and you know what your what your team as a whole is facing the rest of the way? That's but, another you know, that, good part. that gets into a different element of, of the game. But yeah, numbers are are absolutely valuable. And if you're ignoring them, I, I that's incredibly foolish to not cap to not potentially capitalize on something that could potentially help you in some area. But to think that it's going to help every team in every situation is equally as foolish because the numbers are numbers. They, they may not apply to what your situation is. I mean, there are some people now that are like, hey, if you're on the 50, uh, other side of the 50, I mean, even if it's like at the 49 and you don't go for it, you're a dummy. Like, man, I get what you're trying to say there now, but... Um, Mm. There's a big difference to me between being at the 35 and say the 49 yard line. Yeah, of course. And and like I I know we've had this conversation many times over with Gundy over the years. Not necessarily as much this year, but in in all these other years where they've had so much trouble on the line of scrimmage, right? And and they have not been able to run the football on demand and they're losing the line of scrimmage more often than not offensively. When people go off on Gundy for not going for it on fourth and one, I'm like, what have you been watching for multiple seasons now that suggests that that is a strength of the Oklahoma State football team and they should let the game ride on a fourth and one when the offensive line loses way more than they win? That's ignoring what you do to just play the numbers game. Yeah. Let's run quarterback power with Gunner. <laughs> yes. By the way, speaking of Gunner, uh, no, the post that was going around about Gunner committing to Alabama is not real. <laughs> I, it's, I can't believe I have to tell people that. No, it was fake. That 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 was not a, a real post at all. Someone has a fake Gunner Gundy account. Did you see that? I missed that. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. We had a text that came in earlier today. It was like, what? Gunner Gunny committed Alabama? No, it was, it was fake. It must have been a really good Photoshop, huh? It was uh, a decent Photoshop. <laughs> it could have... I mean, if it was Colorado, I might have jumped on here and said, Dion has done it again. But uh, uh, it, I did not get caught again. Because he, he's not at Alabama because he's at OU. <laughs> yeah, even though he's, you know jumped back in the portal from, from Ohio. So... Oh, did he? I oh, guess yeah. I missed that. Yeah, that's oh, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Like he jumped in the portal from, oh, okay. from Ohio. I, I missed the, him jumping back in the portal. I would love to know what that conversation was like between him and his dad about hmm. committing to Ohio and then the jumping back in the portal. 
So, yeah, that's that's the reason why it happened is because he jumped back in the portal and then someone made a, an entire okay. fake account of Gunnar Gundy. I mean, with the same background pictures, everything. Same dumb Aaron Rodgers photo on the header and everything else and then made this big post about him committing to Bama and, and there were people that fell for it. Oh. I've been there, I've been got. I got the audio to prove it. Me too, man. Me too. Stupid Adam Scheffler. <laughs> Adam Scheffler. Adam Scheffler, yeah. Uh, fantastic. Adam Scheffler. And all those people that got burned someday. by fake Woj bombs. Yeah, all the time, man. <laughs> yeah. All the time. All right, let's take a timeout. I'm Colby Daniels. That is Jeremy Poplin and Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We have a snack coming up in this 4 o'clock hour and Colin Kennedy in the 5 o'clock hour. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.